0: Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and I am joined by our star, London. We also have... Hiding in the shadows, he may say something, he may not, we don't know. He just kind of creeps in and gives us his two cents or doesn't. We don't never, it's a mystery. (laughs) Shadow Adam. We also have our producer and engineer in the house, Mason Booker. We are brought to you and sponsored by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles and Comics Fix. Comics Fix is a digital comics platform like Netflix. You pay a monthly subscription and get to read comics Read as many that are on the entire, uh, in the entire library. They just got all 72 issues of The Boys by Garth Enos and Derek Robertson. So check out comicsfix.com. You can read it on your tablet, on your computer, and on your phone. Do us a favor and check out Comics Fix. London, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm excited because this week we are concluding our retrospect of creators um and what we have been doing as our listeners should know because they were listening to last week's episode and the week before we are going through the decades and picking out two creators essentially you are i'm not i'm taking i'm not <laughs> not claiming that but uh, that's for you that's you did all the research and all the hard work and all the reading i just get to ask you questions about it um Anyways, we are going over the decades. We're picking out two creators, talking about their contributions, some of their stories, and um, characters they may have created. We started in the 30s, 40s, then went to the 50s and 60s, 70s, and we finished last episode with the 80s with uh, my favorite Frank Miller, and now... Oh, I'm sorry, we went to the nineties. We went to the nineties. I got so excited with the Frank Miller stuff that I just forgot everything else. But you'd mentioned about Chuck Dixon and Norm Brayfogel and their contributions and also got to talk about your favorite Batman creator. Would you care to share who that is?
1: Kelly Jones, yes. I got to be very excited and talk about why he's my favorite artist, definitely.
0: Now is that picture is Kelly Jones is that the picture with uh, Batman kinda hunched over Yeah, he's hunched over and Does he have wings in that picture or not?
1: Well, I mean it's kind of more his I mean his cape can kinda look kinda like wings, but he's just very I mean it's just kind of everything's dripping, every you know, every part of his cape, his costume, his ears, his his hands, his nails—just everything is just so dramatic, and it's just—he's just this creepy vampire. Yes, there it is. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Goodness. So, so yes. this
0: is the <laughs> this is the picture. The, the extra long right. Ears. That's on
1: the that's the trade paperback cover, I think, for all three of the Elseworlds: The Vampire Batman series which is my favorite, yes. <laughs> and, and
0: then it's got the bats flying in the night sky, the full moon.
1: Right. I mean, considering Batman, you know, he's a bat, It's it just shows, you know, it's the perfect personification for him, I think. so.
0: It's the merging of the bat exactly. and the man. <laughs> now, there was a time that Batman actually turned into a winged vampire. Is that right?
1: Well, I mean, there... I had
0: the hero clicks of it, I think, so that's... <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, probably the closest, I mean, just in regular continuity, is probably the villain Man Bat. That's Kirk Langstrom.
0: So I don't know what I'm talking about. No,
1: (laughs) but I'm sure there is some story that he probably turns into a bat. I mean, there was, um, I think in the later 2000s, like Stanley, he did a um, Imagine, I guess, like a series, and he kind of was a bat kind of being, I suppose, like in his interpretation. But it's it's not far-fetched if there's any story where Batman actually takes on bat, you know, uh, that, person Yeah, that know, probably qualities. happened in the
0: cartoon at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> what is the man bat then?
1: Uh, man bat, he's um, he's actually a, a doctor. It's Kirk Langstrom, and he pretty much um, takes this serum and he turns kind of into you know a, a a bat kind of like a man shaped bat i mean he's like you know he looks like a bat but he's a human and he has superhuman strength and he doesn't want to be the bad guy so it's kind of like you know it's kind of like you have a sympathetic you know you you're symp- you, you sympathize for him because he doesn't want to be this creature and batman knows him as you know the doctor and he wants to help him and um, yeah, he he came. I think in the '70s, and he's. I mean, he's an interesting character. I mean, he was the first character in the the animated series in the first episode on Leathered Wings, which I always thought was interesting that they started that series with that uh, that uh, character. But yeah, I mean, Bam bat, I like him. I mean, I think they have a new Fifty Two, and he's an interesting character. I mean, it's. I mean, it's the opposite kind of. Right.
0: You know? Yeah, I'm showing you a picture right now. Of the hero, clicks with the oh, okay. bat wings. Yeah. there was actually wings coming out of his cape.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so I knew that I wasn't totally crazy.
1: <laughs> and and that's—it's totally not even a, a weird, you know, thing to even visualize. I mean, you would think at some point someone's going to give this man bat wings. I mean, he's right. Batman. <laughs> Spider-Man
0: turned into a spider. He had multiple arms. Yeah, for I a mean,
1: it's—it just that just fits. It's comic books. So you can do anything. There you go. <laughs>
0: And speaking of creators that can do anything, how you like that segue? <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs>
0: we're talking pre-50, pre-new 52. And I mean, are there any bigger names in the business than the next two creators that uh, you're going to talk I, you about? You
1: know, I don't think so. And it's really important to actually separate, you know, even though these creators have taken part of in the new 52 and in Batman stories and DC stories. Um pre-new 52, I mean it's pretty much ending, you know, decades worth of a DC universe that everyone knew before the kind of soft reboot that happened in 2011. So I figured I would pick two creators that, you know, started in 2000 all the way until new 52 began because tons of amazing Batman stories and characters and, you know, emerge from this period. And yeah, these two that we're going to talk about for Pre-New 52, they are pretty much legends and giants in the industry for sure.
0: I mean, I don't even think... When it comes to these two creators, you could say who should go first and who should go last. I mean, they are equally <laughs> huge. Right, they're
1: both yeah. equally important. I mean, no one, you know, it's just, and I'm sure people prefer one over the other or have their favorites, but they're both equally just outstanding. They're huge, definitely. Yeah, so
0: of course. one we consider a writer, and the other we consider an artist. Yes. Um, jeez, who uh, who do you want? <laughs> who do you want to hear first about Shadow Adam? I'm a huge fan of Grant Morrison, so...
1: Yes, I am too. <laughs> so I guess
0: we're going with the writer first? Sure. Or do we, we go should. with him second? Um,
1: no, let's leave him for last. And then, because, I mean, there's so much. <laughs> I'm not saying the first, the artist that we're going to talk about doesn't have, you know, as much. But, I, yeah, let's go with the artist first. Let's go with the artist. Yeah, sure. All right. That's fine.
0: The great Jim Lee.
1: Yep, Jim Lee. So um. what
0: did he do... Ah. In the ninety and pre-52.
1: Pre-52, I mean, well, before, I mean, he started, I mean, he was in Marvel, he did the Uncanny X-Men, and then worked on X-Men, and then, I mean, he's done so much. He, you know, was, uh, like, co-creator for Image Comics, and then worked with Wildstorm, and just, he's contributed a lot before even getting to Batman, and so, I mean, in the... The 90s, he contributed a lot with Marvel. But yeah, when. uh, I mean, he actually
0: uh, owns a part of. He's a big wig in DC. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, right now, I mean, he's the the co editor, co publisher. I mean, he's. Right now, he's definitely, you know, one of the big, you know, names in DC Comics, the publication itself. And so
0: when he came into New 52, the context of Jim Lee's career was this is like a superstar.
1: Right, and I mean, he pretty much created the design of what the new Fifty Two Heroes pretty much would look like. I mean, like that's it was almost like a staple of like that's what Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and all of the Justice League and the DC Universe. That's kind of what they visually looked he like. He was the yeah. template. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he made what New Fifty Two would look like. So you know, definitely.
0: he he's kind of like the Tony Hawk. I don't know why. I thought, but, you know, Tony Hawk started off as a talent. He was a part of a team. He's just a you know the skateboarder, part of the Bones Brigade, and then got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then like owns everything right. and is a huge thing. And that's kind of Jim Lee's,
1: right? I mean, he's not just an artist anymore. I mean, not even when he first started, he already made a name for himself that he's beyond his art. I mean, he brought so much to just the industry in general. So especially then I think that's why people were so excited or just, you know, amazed at what he did when he did the arc that pretty much I think everyone knows Jim Lee for is Batman Hush, which came out late 2002, then 2003. Um, That is definitely a story that I talked about on the – Digital Lizards of Doom, the show that I was on, we talked about Batman Hush, and I said that's definitely a modern Batman story that if you want to start getting into Batman comics and you don't know where to start because he's been in so many, that arc is definitely one that I would recommend for anyone that wants to start reading it because you pretty much have almost all of Batman's, you know, family and rogues gallery, and it's a really interesting epic to look at if you want to just get to know any of these characters that have been being produced since the 40s. Um, but yeah, uh, Jim Lee, he started early 2000s and from, I think it's issue, Batman 608, which is now... Which is interesting because the variant cover, I guess, Jim Lee, also with Alex Sinclair and Scott Williams, which I think that they're like the world's finest of Batman like in modern um, for art. I mean, whenever Jim Lee, Scott Williams, and Alex Sinclair, whenever they do the pencils, inks, and colors, it is always such a brilliant work, even if it's not Batman. I mean,
0: they, they, they did Superman.
1: Yeah, they did Superman. I mean, they have pretty much now, at this point, have worked on almost all the big names in D.C., um, I know that everyone, like, puts Jim Lee in the forefront, but, I mean, without um, Williams and Sinclair, I mean, I think they all just flow together, you know, as creators on one piece. What well.
0: What do they all do individually? Obviously, well, Jim- pretty
1: much Jim Lee's the penciler. He has pencils. Scott Williams is the inker. And then Alex Sinclair does the colors, um, you know. But all together, of course, you can't have one without any of the others. So together, they make brilliant works. But... Um, For for Batman Hush, they were the artists, um, principal artists, and then Jeff Loeb, who did Batman Long Halloween and Batman Dark Victory with Tim Sale. He was the writer.
0: I want to talk about those.
1: Okay. After (laughs) we
0: talk about Hush, because
1: definitely, yeah,
0: that that's or maybe we'll do after Jim Lee because that that is stuff that I absolutely loved. Yes. And they were kind of the framework for Hush.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because
0: they were. Their own little stories that really hit every major player in the Batman universe. Definitely, and that's kind of what Hush did, but to the regular continuity.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Ho- Long Halloween is definitely one of my favorites, and I still reread it even now. That's one of my favorite stories to just go over. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, just
0: the art, and I just thought it was fantastic. <laughs> and definitely. So then, so into Hush. Then tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Um yeah, I mean even just starting with the first issue it goes it goes within the Batman publication. Um it goes through Batman number 608 to 619 and just even looking at even talking about the first issue, Batman 608. Jim Lee and Scott Williams and Alex and they do a variant cover for this issue and it is now probably one of the most iconic Um, modern takes of Batman that anyone's seen. I mean, you know, it's Batman perched on kind of like a gargoyle looking over the city, and then they did a kind of reverse cover for Superman, and so when you put them together, they're kind of going head-to-head. But... Yeah, just the imagery just on the cover itself is now what everyone thinks of. You know, if you type in Batman, you know, and you want to look for Batman art, that's probably the first image that'll pop up in Google, I would guess. I mean, it's now a modern marvel. Um, But pretty much Batman in this story, he is trying to find this new villain that is in the city, and it's Hush, and it's interesting because... Even though the title, I mean, the story's called Batman Hush. By
0: the way, you, I just typed in Batman art.
1: What is it? Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. is it? It's there, right? Yeah, it
1: is. So it's like, I mean, it's... It's pretty much now, I mean, you see it everywhere. You see it even in other comic book shops, like as posters and just everywhere. I mean, it is like the probably the most bought poster of Batman that probably DC has. So even just creating an iconic image like that, I mean, that's already something, and we haven't even gotten into the story. And... What I was saying was even... It's interesting because the story's called Batman Hush, but you really don't see Hush or really get to know him until, like, the very end. So what you're kind of filled with is all of the rest of Batman's rogues gallery. You see everyone. I mean, you see... You know, Riddler has a part in Harley Quinn and Joker and Two-Face. And you see all these characters, and it is all in regular continuity. This isn't a story that's taken place, you know, outside of a different time or anything. It's all within, I mean, it's like they just jumped right into it. And what's interesting about Batman 608 is that they actually introduced, after like about two decades, a new Batman comic book logo and that's also something that I personally like I always, I really like the evolution of the comic book logo of Batman I know that's something that's kind of people may not think about you know because you always get the comics and you always see them but the word Batman and the symbol that he's in you know it's kind of very sharp and angular and yeah it's a new symbol I mean that Jim Lee pretty much introduced for Batman comics all the way up until when the New 52 starts um but Yeah, so it's a lot of introductions. It's an introduction to a new type of, you know, precise lines and colors and angles that Jim Lee style is pretty much known for. It's, you know, it's very distinct. Um I think even people who aren't hardcore, you know, comic book fans, if they see Jim Lee art, they're like, oh, that's Jim Lee, especially after... New 52 and knowing you've seen his art pretty much for like the past two or three years, constant. Um, yeah, Hush, you get to know this new villain that's out to kind of get Bruce Wayne and it's it becomes personal, not just for Bruce Wayne, but it's also not, you know, it's kind of like what Long Halloween does. You kind of get to see all of the other characters that are important into who Batman is in hit what Batman's, you know, history and what his stories pretty much are made up of. You get to see his villains. And I think another thing that's interesting is you get to see something that we'll touch upon in the next episode is you get to see the relationship between Bruce Wayne, Batman and Selena Kyle and Catwoman and they develop a love a love relationship. It's a romantic relationship. And you see Batman kind of unfold and become Bruce Wayne, and he reveals his identity to Selena Kyle that he's Batman.
0: Was that the first time that happened?
1: Pretty much. I mean, with other women, I mean, no one else besides maybe Silver St. St. Cloud in the 70s kind of discovered he was Bruce Wayne, but really, no. He never really said, okay, I'm Batman, you know, to anyone. So this was a really important thing, you know, in Batman's, you know, kind of history because it's the ultimate thing, you know, telling someone who he really is and kind of giving that risk of either them being hurt by whomever is going after him, which I think is that way for almost any superhero, which is interesting, you know, to think about, you know, like Superman has Lois Lane and all of the heroes have someone that's important, even if it's not a love interest, if it's a family member, or if it's someone that knows who they are, knows who they are under the costume and under the mask, and, you know, you kind of now have this whole vulnerable, you know, relationship, and Batman gives that to Selina in Hush. And yet, at the end, he pretty much has to take that away and he can't trust her and he has his own issues to deal with. He's dealing with Hush, he's dealing with all the other villains, he's dealing, interestingly, it's a good arc for Riddler too because Riddler, in a point in time, discovers who Batman is and then has his whole psychological deal and Batman kind of toys with him and tells him, you know, he kind of tricks him into not telling anyone his secret and I guess there's so much you can go over with in Hush and a lot of little different plot lines that happen within the 12, 13-issue series that it's a really dynamic story. And it pretty much kicks off the 2000s, the period before the reboot, and kind of issues in kind of how Batman is going to be for the next decade or so.
0: What is Hush? Who is Hush?
1: Um, Hush is Thomas Elliot. Hush is just a, hes he doesn't really have powers. He's like a regular man. He just has a slight obsession with Bruce. They were friends when they were kids, and so he knows his father, Thomas Wayne, and it's a dynamic that kind of grows over time, and you see Hush in other stories. Um, you know, you see it in Heart of Hush, and he pretty much um, later on, um Thomas uh, he he gets like plastic surgery and changes his face and he looks like Bruce Wayne because he wants to destroy Bruce Wayne in terms of like taking over Wayne Enterprises and sh- pretty much destroying his civilian life and that actually you know plays into other characters when he meets with Catwoman or he meets with Harley Quinn especially in later stories where Hart, um Hush and and Catwoman have um, uh, a fight, pretty much in 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 Heart of Hush, he takes out Catwoman's heart, pretty much. I mean, she, he literally takes her heart out, and Batman has to save her and has to rescue her and, and and fix her. And it's just, it's from what it started, I guess, with Hush in the story. It's very simple, and then creators took it years later and kind of made it into a very Um, kind of magical kind of just out of this world kind of story for him so I think people like Hush because he was just you know he's a regular guy but then he started to do really crazy things that messed up Batman messed up Bruce Wayne's pretty much life Um, but yeah Hush is important because of the art that was produced and what that art stood for and what it now is even a decade later almost two decades later Um, and...
0: When did that come out? That
1: was, uh, like, late 2002, 2003. And that was throughout the Batman publication.
0: That (coughs) seems... When I think about it, it seems so recent. but Right, it does.
1: But it's, it's really, it's over a decade old now. That's crazy. (laughs) So, but it still holds up so well.
0: Has Jim Lee come back to Batman since Hush?
1: Well, he's... I... No. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... Jim Lee's done so much, but at least with this story, he was so prominent in the main artist. I mean, the only thing he's done after is with Frank Miller in the, well, I guess started 2005 going to 2008. He did All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, and that was with Frank Miller and Scott Williams as well um, and Alex Sinclair, and it pretty much was like a 10-issue story and a lot of people kind of had a a bad I guess reaction to it because I think it was a little extreme for some people just the way Batman kind of acted and how his character was it was a little extreme and I always think and I think I said in the last episode I think it's kind of almost like a satire on Batman like taking his you know I'm for vengeance and justice and kind of putting it like 100% more and making him kind of almost this crazy guy that, you know, has a back cave and a sick back mobile and is getting this kid who just lost his parents and saying, okay, you're gonna be my sidekick and, like, putting him through the ringer and all of the same elements that we've seen decades before, you know, but just kind of in a more kind of greedy, a little bit mean type of way.
0: That all-star line, they came out with what I think most people would consider a masterpiece, the All Star Superman. Yes, they actually made a video Morrison. of that. What's uh,
1: that? Yeah, Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah, Grant Morrison, <laughs> who
0: is the next person. But he that they made a video. They made a direct to DVD. Yes, and of that All-Star is a Super- fantastic animated film. Right, love it. And so, what the plans though? I always thought was for All Star Batman, All Star Superman. To actually continue.
1: Right, and that was the plan. They were gonna make the, it was gonna be an, a full all star line, and all, pretty much all of the major prominent characters were gonna kind of get that, and it was gonna be a continuing thing, but then the projects, it kind of, I think. From what I've read in interviews and articles, it seems that all of the creators, especially Frank, Frank Miller and Jim Lee, they had other projects that they were doing. And right. they were so wrapped up in them that they kind of lost track of this one. And I guess it wasn't like high priority as maybe the readers, you know, for the readers. Right. And so it kind of just got lost. Like there, like issues like two and three came out, like, months apart from each other. I remember that. You know, and so it was like, you're just waiting. And then once issue 10 happened, that, that was it. And you're like, what happened? <laughs> right, I,
0: I thought they would have... Because I, I remember the line, the the all-star line was supposed to be iconic stories that can happen at any time they weren't necessarily right. in the continuity
1: exactly
0: and so i thought they could have kept on doing that and just yeah. get new and creators it would have
1: been fascinating to have them continue with other characters too because like you said all-star superman is a masterpiece it's brilliant and just how that all played out i thought okay all-star Batman's going to be just you know as amazing and the story what they can do with it i think will be great but I think the projects kind of got all jumbled up, and it didn't really come out to what it could have been. So
0: there was no other All Star Supermans or Batman's after that initial run. No, that
1: was it, and it bummed me out because I really enjoyed the All Star Batman, and All Star Superman was great. We, you know, we have that, and that's always a fantastic story. I don't think for um, for kids they're going to uh, do an All Star Batman, right? (laughs) Which I would love to see that on an animated film, but you know, that's fine.
0: Hey, Jim Lee, uh, quite a contributor. Yes, Jim
1: Lee, definitely. Even though, you know, he did just, it feels like, okay, he only did a handful of stories, but those stories did so much defining Batman in this era that you can't not discuss his work.
0: Right. So I think we gave him proper due. I think so. (laughs) What about, you've mentioned and alluded to, the great Grant Morrison, Morrison. Friends of Meltdown as well. (laughs)
1: Yes, um had the pleasure of meeting Grant Morrison not too long ago here at Meltdown, um, and he's done amazing work. I mean, one of my favorite works by him is in, in I guess, in the 2000s, but it was his um, 1989's A Serious House on Serious Earths or Arkham Asylum, and it's just such a psychological thriller in one comic. I mean, it has so much depth to it, and you see... Characters like Joker and Two Face kind of evolve. There's one this issue. Kind of, yeah, it's just one graphic novel.
0: What's it called?
1: A Serious House on Serious Earth or Arkham Asylum. It can wow. Be. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, and Dave McKean's art. He was the illustrator on that. It's it's amazing. I mean, I I recommend it to any Batman fan. It's a it's almost a little psychedelic. But I think Can that's Can I how, borrow it? <laughs> I have it. If you want to, I'll bring it. Yeah. Bring and, it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but yeah, and I but I think that's how Grant Morrison's kind of writing is. It's it's very abstract. And I think that's why for New Fifty Two, you know, they wanted him to explain the multiverse and he's doing the multiversity and that. And it's so abstract, it's so detailed, but it fits to how Grant Morrison presents any universe or any person he's talking about. You know, when he was working, you know, with Superman and doing All-Star Superman, I mean, you kinda he kind of took him out of his element and kind of broke him apart and showing just how much of an incredible being he is and kind of playing into that and into his humanity and all that. And uh, he... Have, oh, sorry. Oh, no.
0: Have you heard the story about how he decided to write Superman?
1: No. Grant? What's the story? He was
0: at Comic-Con uh-huh. and there was a guy dressed as Superman <laughs> and he went up to him and I guess he was just sitting there on the stairs. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he was out in the sun or whatnot and he went next to him and just started talking to him. As if the guy was Superman and just started oh, wow. really talking to him. <laughs> this is the way I remember the story. I could be wrong, but I think this is what happened. And then it just kind of gave him the inspiration to really explore Superman.
1: Wow, that You know, that's not hard to believe, I think. Just the kind, you know, of writer and person he is. I think that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so... <laughs> but yeah, um, but he's not just important to, to Superman. I mean, he did an entire... Batman run um, for what? Let's see. It was started in 2006, and it started with uh, uh, Son of Batman or Batman and Son, and he pretty much introduced back into continuity Damian Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's biological son, and he is the and his mother is Talia Al who's Ra's Al uh, and Ra's Al his grandfather, and he did an entire run from 2000. Six to pretty much up to uh, the the new fifty two, and I mean that's just years of him just working on Batman. I mean he worked on it from uh, Batman six, I think fifty five to six fifty eight, which was the Batman uh, Batman and Son arc, and then he you know he did uh, other stories like the Black Glove, and he did all of these little. He just worked on Batman for that whole period of time, and he kind of defined. Batman in that era Um, but yeah definitely in that series one of the most interesting of course I think is when he introduced Damian Wayne because it was from and he kind of changed that origin story because Mike W. Barr um, in 87 did Batman uh, Son of the Demon and that's when originally I guess in that story, you know, Damien was conceived and Tal- Talia gave birth and everything, but then Mo- Grant Morrison, which I actually read somewhere that he did not take into consideration this original story and just redid um how Damien came to be, I guess, because it was because Talia pretty much drugged Bruce and it was forced intercourse and it was this whole thing definitely different from what was the story two decades prior, but he kind of made it so... Because of that, Bruce Wayne and Talia have a really bad relationship. I mean, it's disdain. You know, it's not only that, oh, your father is Ra's al Ghul, who is an eco-terrorist trying to take over the world and, you know, wipe out the globe at times. But, I mean, you pretty much, you know, forced a child upon me, and now you just bring him here and say, hey, you know, you have a son. And it's a lot more than just, you know... Batman having, you know, a new thing to deal with. I mean, he's a father, and now he has to kind of tie it all into with, you know, Dick Grayson there as a Nightwing and, you know, everyone playing their parts. Um, and then you just kind of get into stories like uh, the final crisis, which was a huge arc um, that involved everyone in the DC universe. And
0: What was the crisis that was final. Because
1: uh, <laughs> I, um, I don't I think in, I don't know. in the most simplest way, they pretty much had to fight Darkseid from pretty much taking over the world. I mean, in the most simplest thing. And interestingly enough, in the second-to-last issue, I think it's, it's Final Crisis number seven, um, Batman goes up against Darkseid. And, you know, Darkseid is a Superman villain because, well, you know, I mean, Darkseid's the one that killed Superman at one point. But... Batman goes up against Darkseid and he has a gun, which, you know, he doesn't use gun, in this modern, you know, interpretation, but he has this bullet that's, like, shoots Omega Beams that would take out Darkseid, but it backfires and it Darkseid apparently, to everyone else, kills Batman. So Grant Morrison pretty much was writing The Death of Batman in this period of time. And, you know, a lot of people, I think thought okay well he's just going to come back to the next issue and you know it's not going to be something so permanent but then it turns into a year long kind of spectacle over all of the Batman family stories over you know all of the major DC lines and Batman's death you know he was, he was gone and then Grant Morrison did um, the like the, the road to Bruce Wayne and pretty much told the story that Batman was put into almost this like kind of boom tube and was in another kind of dimension and he has to go pretty much through the past through from caveman times to you know just everything all the way back to present Gotham to come back to a city and so like we kind of were talking about Elseworlds in the other episode in the episode prior that you see him in all these different time periods you know You know, he was a pilgrim, he was a pirate, he was a caveman, he was, you know, it's just all of these, he's going through all these different time periods, while in the regular continuity, everyone is dealing with the loss of Batman, that, that's what started story arcs like Battle for the Cow, where, you know, everyone's trying to figure out who's going to be the next Batman since Bruce Wayne is gone from Final Crisis, and in that, you get all of these stories, and then you get the new, you know... Status quo, Dick Grayson becomes Batman. Damian Wayne, who's his son, that Grant Morrison reintroduced, is the new Robin. And, you know, you have Tim Drake as Red Robin. And then for a period of time, you have Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain as Batgirl. And the whole dynamic is changed, all because Batman is out of the stories for literally a real span, a year's worth of time. Wow. So I mean
0: that uh, actually yeah. then planted the seeds to Batman Incorporated, is exactly that right?
1: Exactly, right. Because once Bruce Wayne returned, he wanted to I guess he had the idea of having a Batman kind of not just in Gotham City because he actually liked the dynamic of Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne as Batman and Robin, so he was like, okay, you guys can do that for Gotham. And I'm going to build Batman Inc., which will almost, in a way, is like a Batman for all lands. There's like a someone representing what Batman is all over the world, and that's how that arc began. It's
0: like franchising Batman.
1: Kind of, exactly, and and that's what Bruce Wayne, at least in the stories, kind of told the press and everyone that it was pretty much going to be, he was going to fund and help, you know, even though no one put two and two together, that, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman. (laughs) I always thought that that was interesting. But, you know, that's fine. Um, But, yeah, I mean. They are comic books, right? Of course. And it's like, that's fine. I get it. But But
0: but even then, I mean, you think about that. That's a genius idea that all these years have gone by since 1939. Right. And you've got an enterprising millionaire early, and then became billionaire, right? And his whole thing is business and making <laughs> moves and getting the brand out—the exactly. Wayne Enterprises brand out right. there. And
1: everyone in the DC universe knows it. It's not like it's just just single to to Gotham City. It's it's everywhere, right?
0: And so for Grant Morrison to have, I think, the vision. <clears throat> and really kind of the courage to you know explore a whole new side of the Batman franchise and actually incorporate that into the story.
1: Right. I mean it's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean he really within his his now famous run, he did so much with one single character and kind of touched upon all of the important players and really shook up what we kind of know, you know, as Batman. I mean, you know, after Final Crisis and then when they had, you know, whatever happened to the Kate Crusader, which was a Neil uh, Gaiman uh, two-issue, you know, arc. I mean, after that, I mean, it just, it kind of just gave a domino effect to all of these stories and to give all of these writers and artists something more to do with Batman. It isn't just the same story. It isn't yeah. just him and Gotham. I mean, he, there's so much to do. And so all of these new publications came, and it all spanned from Grant Morrison kind of doing his own unique thing with right. Batman.
0: I mean, it's it's like this, the ripple in the pond. And just expanded so much. And right. really, it just seems logical. I mean, <laughs> what a I, I mean, how did no one else figure that out? You know, and it, it took all those years right.
1: And I know that people, you know, people who enjoy Batman and read Batman and have had you know have read it for decades. I mean, they they just want. Him, because, right. you know, it's like that's what makes him so amazing. It's like he's just this one guy, and he's doing all of this stuff. Right. I, I mean, mean, I'm sure, yeah, it, people you know? like
0: the grit, grime, right. backstreet, brawl, exactly. Batman. You
1: know, just him against the world kind of thing, you right. know. Eh, I no,
0: I get that. So
1: I understand why maybe they didn't do this approach, but it is a brilliant side to trying to, you know, bring something new to a character who's been around, like you said, since the nineteen thirty nine, the forties. I mean, it's yeah. a very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I,
0: I definitely came to because gri- you do you expect your Batman to be swinging on a you know a rope to save the day, right? Maybe jump out of the Batmobile, not necessarily to start a corporation,
1: <laughs> right? Uh,
0: and and expand into all the different markets with a vigilante, but it's a great idea, and I think. As you keep on pointing out, you know, Batman is a character that has so many interpretations and there's been so much freedom uh, to create with this character. Right. And this is just one of the things that is a part of what makes Batman so fantastic.
1: Right. And I mean, and I know some people that I've talked to, I mean, they don't they didn't really enjoy the Batman Inc. kind of concept. Um, especially early on, I guess what they were trying to do with it, like Volume One, they didn't really enjoy. But I mean, I think that was just, I th- like, I, like I always say. I mean, there's so many different sides to how you can read Batman and look at him, and this was just another one. And it just so happened that you know it was it ca- it caught on and kind of expanded other creators to right. go further with it. So
0: yeah, I mean, I yeah. definitely see that. I appreciate the you know taking that next step that grant morrison did i just think it's i think it's great i mean it may not be my favorite interpretation either but i do think it's a logical you know next step to the story of what this billionaire does i mean he he incorporates things and (laughs) he, he then expands them and then makes more money why not apply it to the vigilante trade definitely So then what happens there with all that stuff? It kind of gets shaken up in the New 52? Yeah,
1: I mean, it kind of, you know, once, um, I guess, after I guess the big thing was Flashpoint, um, yeah, it pretty much goes to start the New 52, and we have all new, you know, publications, and and coming back, I guess, to Jim Lee, I mean, for the Justice League at least, the new design and re- you know, giving a new origin to these characters that we've known for decades. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty much a soft reboot. I mean, people ask me all the time, what is New 52? Like, they're like, I don't get it. And I mean, when it first started, I guess, back in... uh, What's a
0: soft reboot versus a, I assume, hard reboot? Yeah,
1: I mean, soft reboot pretty much is um, the creators, um, editor, the DC editors, they wanted to keep certain stories with certain characters. They didn't want to completely wipe out everything that happened before the new reboot started. So, like, for Batgirl, for instance, they changed um, the background of, you know, her paralysis, and but they still kept the story of the killing joke. Now, if it was a hard reboot, That would be gone completely. That time when Joker came to her house and shot her, you know, and kidnapped Gordon and all that, that wouldn't have existed unless they wrote it into something new. But they kept that story and they kept, you know, things like Dick Grayson being Nightwing and they kept things, you know, like like how characters originally were. Um, so yeah, that's why it's a soft reboot. It's not like they pretty much wanted to keep the stories that would help them in continuing on with the new, with DC Universe. But they didn't. But they pretty much took most of the regular things away. Like the original Justice League is different than it was when it first was in the Brave and the Bold number twenty eight. Things like that.
0: So is this convergence? Is this a hard reboot?
1: Um, I think for the end of Convergence, what it brings, I think it is another it's I think it's another reboot, but I would say it's another kind of soft reboot because now the new fifty two is just the re- still regular mainstream continuity, but now they're going to bring like twenty four new publications but yet keep like twenty five of the regular new fifty two ones and you know now that they have the whole multiverse to deal with, you know they pretty much went in. And redid what Marv Wolfman and George Perez did with Crisis on Infinite Earths and said, okay, that didn't happen. We still have the multiverse, we still have all these characters. And, you know, it just it, it now I like it because I think even though Jim Lee's design is now a template, as as Shadow Adams said earlier, for Justice League and for kind of how we viewed especially the very first year of the New 52 how it the how visually the DC universe looked now there's tremendous possibility and tons of different stories and tons of universes that we can go to to see all these characters that we've known for so long and even Batman is not the same Batman as we know now going into Batman 41 next month I mean I'm sure at this point it isn't a secret even if you haven't read it, but Bruce Wayne isn't Batman at the moment. Bruce Wayne is Commissioner Gordon, and so you get to see now what that will do. Um, but yeah, New 52 changed all of almost all of what we originally knew and just brought our the same characters but kind of updated them, I suppose.
0: Okay. And so when did the New 52 52-
1: Um, It occurred in late 2011, so September 2011. It was after the Flashpoint uh, Paradox arc. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it just started with... It just restarted all the the publications. It started Action Comics and Superman and Batman and Batgirl and all of the family members, Nightwing, they all had their own publications. And I think now... From the last few years, from 2011 up until now, I think the two creators for New 52, for Batman, I think are um, both collaboratively Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, the writer and the artist. They have put out a few Batman full arcs that I think defined what people see as Batman. And I know a lot of people don't really understand the New 52 or like it, From when they did these stories and they're brand new and they introduced new characters and, you know, that are now favorites. I mean, their first story was The Court of Owls, and now we see it in the Batman versus Robin animated feature that just came out not too long ago, and they're the main villains in it. And it's just interesting to see how much it's developed and how it became so popular. And, you know, their stories really, you know, once again, kind of reinvented Batman, not just because of the new Fifty Two, and it's like it's all new, it's brand new. But now you get new characters, new stories. You know, you see Batman in a different way. And from doing that, and then redoing his origin with Zero Year, and then going with Endgame and the, you know, in ending in Batman Forty, um, they're definitely the two I think creative talents for Batman in this period that are definitely rep- that represent the new 52.
0: Yeah, they seem to have just nailed.
1: Yeah, they are dominating pretty much the Batman franchise for like for this. I mean, I'm not sure how I mean, I know that they're going to introduce a new villain to the Batman canon um with their next story, which I think is interesting. I always like when people create new villains because for Batman cuz his gallery is so I mean, it's diverse. And it's so different. So introducing someone new that is something different than we've already seen, I think, will be very interesting.
0: Yeah, it's unique and it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Greg Capullo. His art is absolutely fantastic.
1: It is. I really enjoy his work. And I especially it, enjoyed it for um, Zero Year because the palette, the bright colors, it is so, it reminds me so much of pop art. And I am a huge American pop art fan. And it's just so, even for this kind of, you know, the the stories are kind of dark and a little bit, you know. And you see, you know, this is Zero Year, so it's the first year of Batman. It's kind of like redoing Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli's. uh Batman Year One before a newer audience and yet it's so pop and it's so bright. It's yeah. just it it contrasts so well. But well, yes, th- it's brilliant.
0: I, th- I think the cool thing about Greg Capullo is, you know, he got his at least for me, he got to start in with Spawn. Exactly. I mean, and that's an artist taking over for Todd McFarlane. Right. Who mm-hmm. <laughs> many believe could be the best Artist ever, exactly. I mean, you know, and especially
1: taking over that character that he did, that he created. Right, I he mean, created it's, it. You know. it's it's big, right?
0: And, I mean, Todd McFarlane's another name. You talked about Jim Lee, who just took his talents and just created an empire. I exactly. mean, he's got the probably the best toys on the market. Oh, yeah, you know. For sure. <laughs> um, but then Greg Capullo comes on Batman, and he just crushes it. I mean, Definitely. it's it, You know, kind of like the uh, the Kelly art. You mm-hmm. know, it's. Not the same, but right. it's it's got that feel where it's iconic,
1: right? And I mean, it's so I mean, it's so distinct, like, and I feel like maybe that's, that's a way, better
0: word, distinct.
1: You know, like you can see it, and you know that that's you know Capullo's work. And if you see something with Jim Lee, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's Jim Lee. Like you can tell the way the how it is, and it's and you can't really say that for every artist. I mean. It's hard to try to find your own unique way of drawing something that has been drawn dozens of times over and to make it so special that when someone sees it, it's like, oh, that's their Batman because their cape is like this or their cowl is shaped like this or their symbol is like this or the way that they arc this. I mean, it's that's what Greg Capullo has.
0: I, I actually think and work with me on this one. <laughs> so we talked about Jim Lee being this fantastic artist. Right. But Jim Lee is a fantastic artist all across the board.
1: Exactly. I mean,
0: he is iconic when he does X-Men. He's iconic when he does um, Superman. He's iconic when he does But He is just iconic. He's just that artist where he can just, you know, be good for anybody. And Greg Capullo, while I'm sure he could be good for anybody, he just seems like a perfect Batman artist. He
1: nails what Batman is supposed to represent, right. I think. you know, Especially for the now, like, for what Batman is in the New 52 and these modern, you know, these recent comics. That's how Batman, I think, for a lot of people, is just supposed to look the way... That you know he does anything the way he fights the way he's in the Batcave the way he's in the Batmobile the way he's just talking just kind of how he flows in the comics and whatever what story Snyder is writing or any other writer is doing he draws him in the way that I think represents whatever the story is supposed to be he fits it perfectly for Batman
0: he is he's a perfect Batman artist it it would it's almost going to be weird to see him on a different book
1: right (laughs) you
0: know and there's certain yeah i mean there's just certain artists that fit their character right yeah and and he's one of them so talk a little bit about scott snyder and what i mean you talked a little bit about his stories and i'm fascinated by the uh, court of the owls
1: yeah, Courtelius is, is a really good story, and I and even before the New Fifty Two started, he started his Batman with um the Black Glove, which had Dick Grayson as Batman. Bruce Wayne was was still you know in Grant Morrison's world trying to get back to the present, but it had uh, Dick Grayson as the main character as Batman, and that was his first take on Batman, and it was still highly acclaimed. And he had to deal with with Black Mask and. He kind of wrote a kind of crime story that is really, really good to see with Batman because you f- you never forget that he's a detective and that he's in, you know, he's like in the streets and he's in this, you know, dark metropolis of a city. And so when you put him in that element and he also does a really good job with, you know, interpreting Commissioner Gordon and kind of that dynamic, you know, Snyder already started with Batman before New 52 began and he already had his foot in the door. And yet he went right back, right after, just a year after, a year later to do Court of Owls, and he introduced this whole new urban legend, you know, underground society that connects all to Bruce Wayne's family and his past, and you get to know Bruce Wayne a little bit better. Because you know Thomas Wayne as his father and Martha Wayne as his mother. You know that he's a doctor. She was a socialite. She was a philanthropist. But you don't really get to know, in a lot of stories, just more of his background, more of who Bruce Wayne is, because we're so focused on Batman. I'm always interested to see who Bruce Wayne is, and how, when people poke at that stuff, at his past, that's so personal, how that affects him, because the Court of Owls, you know, when he had to face Talon, who was, like, the main person, I mean, he, he you know, he lost fights in that. I mean, we've done an no, episode, Batman got you know, messed yeah, up. he got, you know, totally messed up, and you know, we've talked about, you know, times where Batman's lost a fight. I mean, this would definitely be considered one of those, you know... And, and it's funny because it's the first book in this new series. And Batman, you know, already loses and has to come back. And, yeah, just the introduction to the Court of Owls, to Talon, and to those characters... And just how they have their own little history already, their background and their origin, you know, that dates all the way back to when Bruce was little. I think it gave a lot of people that kind of sense of a detective story, of like a crime, you know, story that Snyder does really well. He does, you know, detective stories really well. And, um, yeah, he introduced that aspect back to Batman, which I always think is really important to keep for him. Because that's what Bill Finger wanted him to be when he created him in 1939. He wanted him to be part detective, not just this dark vigilante, you know, running the streets and beating up guys. He was part detective. And I think Snyder kind of reintroduced that theme with Black Glove and Court of Owls and then going into Zero Year.
0: It also seems that Scott Snyder is, uh, you know, just a very capable writer. I mean, obviously, we've talked about the stories and the contributions, but the fact that he writes this great story about the black mask and then has to change pretty much direction right. because of a company-wide <laughs> crossover. Exactly. And then deliver an, a classic.
1: Right. It's, it's even more, I think. I mean, I like Court of Owls more than Black Glove. Black Glove is a really great story. But Court of Owls, especially for anyone who's just starting to read Batman, and they're just starting with the New 52, they may not have read anything else before, any of the stories before, pre-crisis, post-crisis, any of that. But if they read Court of Owls, they're getting a really good first Batman story. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo right now, still, they're definitely good representations of Batman for this time period.
0: So other than the Court of Owls, and you talked about some of the other arcs that they did, are they are they still doing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're still on the Batman publication, and they're going to start a whole new story in Batman 41, and they're going to introduce a new villain, which I think his name is Mr. Bloom. Maybe not quote me on that, but I remember reading an article that it's a new villain, it's a new Batman rogue, and so I'm not sure how they're going to take the story. I don't know what they're going to do past Endgame, since like I said at the end, we have a new Batman, so it's not going to be the same Batman. What
0: do you mean a new Batman?
1: Well, at the end of Batman 40, Batman, I mean, in a kind of a cave, you know, in him and Joker, they, they, they die to the reader. I mean, and to everyone else. I mean, even to Alfred, to everyone, Batman is once again Dead, and then you see in Divergence in the comic. I think that actually came out on Free Comic Book Day. Um, I got it here at Meltdown when I came. Nice. (laughs) Um, they introduced that Batman right now is Commissioner Gordon, but he's in this kind of robotic suit. You know, it's kind of almost Iron Man like. I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers for people who don't like Marvel or any of that stuff, but it is, you know, a full armored kind of like robot suit, but Gordon's in it. So, right now. All that we know is that the regular Batman is not Bruce Wayne, but it's Commissioner Gordon. We don't know how long Bruce Wayne is going to be gone because it's comics. Like we said, he can come back. You know, They can write something and he'll be back in a few issues or it might be for a long period of time.
0: Wolverine's not around right now. Yeah,
1: exactly. Wolverine's gone. I mean, it could be kind of like that. And now with the ending of Convergence and seeing how now there's... Dozens of mul- the multiverse it's endless.
0: So okay, convergence. <laughs> I still don't get it because I just don't. What what Let's I, see. what? So what is it? So I know that DC has a lot of universes, right? right. The multiverse. The, the
1: multiverse, yes. And
0: so that means that there can be. Uh, functioning Batman multiple functioning batmans in right. parallel universes. There can be an
1: Earth Two Batman. There can okay. be an Earth One Batman. There can be which people know as the flashpoint Batman, which a lot of people that's very popular because it's Thomas Wayne as Batman. I mean there are different universes have different types of heroes for everyone. Not just Batman but Superman and all all of them.
0: Right. So what is the conver- what is the convergence?
1: I mean convergence pretty much At its core was an eight-issue arc that DC put out. And the story was that Brainiac pretty much turned all of... Took all of the multiverses, all of... And they're all, let's say, they're like little cities. Each universe is like a city. And then he wanted to see which city would come out on top. So they would put one universe and another universe together and have those heroes of that universe come back and then one would come out. They would
0: have to have a fight? I
1: mean, pretty much they would have to pretty much, yeah, fight to see which universe would go on and what i guess his name is telos but it's a version of brainiac he wanted to see which universe would be the ultimate one so it would just be one universe it would just be one dc universe not the multiverse but then what so that's why with a lot of the crossover stories were fun because like i said before that like Kelly Jones is my favorite, and they did um convergence number two for Swamp Thing and Swamp Thing had to pretty much in that story they worked together, but they had to fight against. Batman's Gotham City, and in that city, he was Vampire Batman. He was Kelly Jones, you know, Red Rain, Vampire Batman, and they had to destroy all the vampires, and so they had to knock out that city because it was corrupt with vampires. So in the end, it had to come from different, you know, there was a it was a Power Girl from another universe and a Superman and Barry Allen from, like, Earth 2, and they had to pretty much go back to... Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it's hard if you don't know Crisis on Infinite Earths, but it was a Marv Wolfman, George Perez, you know, mega 11-issue arc that happened in 84 and 85 that pretty much changed the entire DC Universe. It made all of those multiverses, all of those universes that did exist, into one. And in publication-wise, when that happened, a lot of characters were erased from the continuity. A lot of stories didn't happen. And now what happened in Convergence number eight is that they changed what happened in Crisis and they didn't have all one universe come together. They didn't have all of the multiverse squished into one. They kept it so there was a multiverse. So for New 52, there was only pretty much one universe. And then, you know, it was explained later that there's a multiverse so there's all these other different universes. But now DC is a huge multiverse. So all of the universes that were Before that were before Crisis, they all were there. So there are like five or six different times of Batmans, and there's just all these different universes. So Convergence, with the name... It seemed like everything was going to come just to one, down to one. And that's what Brainiac wanted. He just wanted one city. But that's not happening. But that didn't happen. What happened is now we have an entire multiverse that has all different types of heroes from all different types of timelines.
0: Which is totally the opposite of what Marvel's doing.
1: Yes, it totally is. So it's actually interesting to compare, but now... I I think I'm actually really excited for it because now DC is introducing this DCU concept where they're introducing, I think, 24 new books and then they're keeping 25 of the new 52 and that will remain the regular continuity. Mm. So we'll have new stories, like you'll have a new version of Harley Quinn and even Bizarro's getting his own book and you have all these characters that are kind of, Getting a little tweaked. It's a little different, but it's new. It's all diverse, and I think that's why I'm excited. Because I felt like with New Fifty Two, you know, Jim Lee's design is brilliant, but it seemed like that's all you got. You only got one universe. You got one thing. But now it it's limitless.
0: Wouldn't you like to sit in on one of those creator meetings when they decide they're (laughs) gonna change the whole universe?
1: Yes, because it's like, how do you get to that point? I don't even know how they got to how they want to do convergence. I mean. Still, even when I explain it, it's like it's so much more complicated, yeah. but <laughs> that's as simple as I can do it from what I've read from the stories I'm, I've read. And... I,
0: I'm still confused, <laughs> but I think I understand it a little bit better. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh crazy. So, that means just there's so many now possibilities exactly. for your Batman. Fixed to uh, be uh, satiated. Yes,
1: I'm definitely excited to see what what Snyder and Capullo are going to do. I'm excited to see what Detective Comics with um, Francis Manpool and Brian Bertolato, what they're going to do. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how Batman's going to go, how the family, you know, all of the people involved are, are reacting to Batman kind of now being gone again. It's kind of a whole final crisis thing again he's like is he here is he gonna how long is he gonna be gone how long is gordon gonna be batman what does that mean for everyone else it's just it's just interesting you get you get to do so many new stories and i'm excited to read them
0: and then in 10 years we'll come back <laughs> we'll have the two new creators that just crushed it exactly. in, the, in the new post
1: i don't even know conver- what they'll yeah, call I don't it
0: yeah <laughs> post convergence maybe i don't know Anyway, uh well, that does it. I think we've yeah, hit we've hit I, the creators through the decades,
1: and I mean, I guess all of the creators and there's so many more that you know I didn't even talk about, and I'm sure there are some people that are like, "I think this person represents this decade, you know, however they see it, but it just shows that there's so many different ways that Batman can be interpreted, and each decade I think represents a different Batman, and that there's so much to read about him, and like I said, there's no way you can ever read all of the Batman stories or know all of it because there's just so much to dive into. Right. Makes him a very complex, diverse character, which I love. That's why I like him. It's not the same story.
0: Well, maybe what we could do, I mean, this has been a three part episode (laughs) (laughs) hitting all the decades from 39 to present, essentially. Uh, If some of the listeners want to reach out and, you know hear maybe a profile or a mention or we could do a segment on subsequent or additional creators Uh, maybe they can hit you up and and we could talk about those yeah
1: i'm definitely open to that Uh, i mean i would love to hear what other batman readers you know who they think is, is essential for sure
0: and maybe they could even call in
1: yeah that'll be fun that would be cool
0: <laughs> so if they wanted to call in and they wanted to reach out to you and get in contact how how would that best be done
1: um easiest way is to email me at history of the batman at gmail.com and if you're a follower on instagram.com slash history of the batman you can always shoot me a direct message i check all i check all comments and yeah, just reach out to me, especially that yeah, through email is the best. History of the Batman at gmail.com. I will be waiting.
0: And what other uh, social media do you have?
1: I'm on Facebook. I'm at Facebook.com slash History of the Batman. I'm on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Hist, H I S T of the Batman. And I'm on Tumblr at History of Awesome.
0: Yes, listeners, here's your chance. Reach out. Let's talk. You can. Uh, be on the air if, um, if we decide that you <laughs> should be on there. We, we can't let everyone on there. And uh, we'll take questions, comments, anything. Uh, thanks for listening to The History of the Batman with London, presented by Meltdown Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors, comicsfix.com. It is a digital comics platform that you can read on your computer, on your iPad. ...on your phone. It is a subscription-based service, so you can read all the comics that they have for a monthly fee. Check it out. Great stuff. Also, we are here at Meltdown Comics and Collectibles, 7522 Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. You can reach us at our Instagram, at our Twitter, Facebook... We have meltcomics.com. Go to the site. And, of course, you can tune in to all our old episodes of the history of the Batman with London. And, uh, you know, share it. Let people know. This is good stuff going on here. We'd like to thank you for listening. Thank you, Shadow Adam. No problem. We'll see you next week. And, London, before we go, can you just give the listeners, a hint of what next week will be about.
1: Next week, we are looking into Batman's love interests over the past 76 years. Um, I think it's an interesting topic because Batman, as we all know, is human, and so he has human emotions, and it's interesting to look at how he's dealt with, you know, exposing and becoming vulnerable to, you know, certain people in the universe, and we're going to go over 76 years of, just love and heartache and just discovering, you know, what's more important, you know, his heart or the cape and the cow.
0: Sounds great, 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 great. And I know we have a uh, special, probable guest, our <laughs> producer, engineer, Mason Booker might want to say a few <laughs> things about that episode next week so yes. we might hear from him. Awesome. Yep. And again... <laughs> Again, this is Adam Silverstein. I helped co-produce the show. And uh, again, thank you, Mason, for producing and engineering. We'll see you next week on the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles. Have a good week.